Welcome to the Expat Empire Podcast, the podcast where you can hear from expats around the world and learn how you can join them. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for the eighth episode of the Expat Empire Podcast. Today, we will be hearing from Colin Miller. Colin has been living in Germany for over a decade, with most of his time spent in Munich and more recently in Berlin. We discuss many topics, including what it's like to live in the overgrown village of Munich, tips for finding English-speaking jobs in Germany, transitioning from Munich to Berlin, and much more. Without further ado, let's start the conversation. Hey, Colin, thanks so much for joining the Expat Empire podcast. Thank you. It'd be great if you could tell me a little bit about your background, you know, where you're originally from, where around the world you've lived so far, and where you live currently. Sure. Uh, So I'm originally from uh, the U.S., uh, New Jersey, infamous New Jersey, uh, is where I was born and grew up. Uh, Left to go to college, university in Virginia, in Richmond, um, and wound up staying there for a couple of years after graduation. For the last more than a decade or so. I've been based in Germany uh, in the last little over a year in Berlin, but before that, almost 10 years in Munich. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. So what was your original interest in working abroad? Where did that come from? How did you decide that this is something that you wanted to do? Is it something that you'd been thinking about for a while or maybe had some study abroad experience or a lot of travel experience? You know, what what generated that interest for you? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, going going back to the beginning, I mean, childhood, I think I always had an interest of outside of my small little town or, or kind of general area. We My parents didn't, we didn't travel uh, so much. I mean, certainly not abroad. Um, sometimes growing up, friends would, I don't know, they'd go to Canada or they'd go to Mexico or, or to Europe, kind of summer trips with their parents. But we didn't really do that. I think we went to the Caribbean once or twice. But I always had a fascination with like the, the broader world and kind of, I mean, I, I, I always loved history and um, political science. And that's what I wound up studying in, in college. Um, but really all throughout school, I was always interested, you know, when we learned about a new country or something in history about world wars or, or going back well before that, I was always curious about what that place was like. And I never had the, the typical study abroad experience as well for various reasons, just opted um, to stay where I was for, for four years. Um, so when I graduated, I thought, mm, well, now's my opportunity to kind of go see the world. And I spent the better part of two years doing that, um, coming home and working a little bit to save up money and then basically spending every penny combing the world, Europe at first and then Asia. Uh, and when I returned home, I thought, okay, I loved that experience and I'd like to somehow incorporate that into my career and wound up founding uh, finding a job with uh, a Taiwanese company. And that luckily kind of brought me over uh, over to Asia, uh, mainland China, which I think at some point, I was over there pretty frequently every month or, or two months or so. And parallel to this, um, during my travels, I had met a, a German uh, woman and we kind of uh, developed a relationship of long distance at first. And then she was lucky to move to New York with her company, but we kind of knew longer term that um, if we were going to stay together, that um, ideally that was going to be uh, where she was from, uh, which was Munich. Were there any particular trips during those two years where you're going around the world that really made you think, you know, outside of the relationship that you developed, that Europe was probably the place that you'd want to end up or even Germany in particular? Or was it more just that particular situation with the relationship that led to that decision? Um, I think it was a, a few things um, in, I mean, it's never, I think it's never one single um, kind of reason or experience. Um, but I, I do remember uh, the first place, the first foreign place uh, I ever went, I landed in in London. And I remember taking the train from probably Heathrow Airport into Paddington Station. I remember stepping, you know, into the station and thinking, wow, this is this is different. This is, you know, I mean, it looks very similar um, in some respects. It's a busy, metro, you know, metropolis, kind of like New York, um, but it's also very different. And it's all the the kind of little things that were were different. And I was just fascinated by that and then spent the next couple of months going from one big city to the next and, you know, checking out different different countries and um, thinking I just, I loved the experience of kind of learning what the differences were, how people kind of lived and what, you know, what their daily lives were like in each of these places. But in the middle of that trip, uh, September 11th happened, which was gut-wrenching and emotional experience for, for everybody. I mean, I think, it, but, you know, whether you were in New York or, or somewhere else or had no connection to New York and 
um, kind of seeing it almost in a from a foreigner's perspective of being surrounded by by foreigners and, and not being home. You know, I consider New York home. I grew up in a, in a suburb of it. And that was that was an interesting experience. And then I think kind of uh, helped um, cement my you know interest in having a different experience and kind of immersing myself in, into other cultures. Um, probably within a year after that is when uh, the relationship started on a, on a second trip. Yeah, that, that made it clear that um, that I would probably wind up spending um, some portion of my life in, over the next couple of years abroad. Didn't realize it would turn out to be quite so long. but <laughs> Right. What well, was the initial thinking? I mean, of course, depends on how the relationship and how your experience in Germany went. But was it sort of, hey, let, let's try this for a year or two? And it, it ended up turning into what's now about a decade or more? Or you know, what was your thinking at the time? I guess when uh, typical of long distance relationships, you you do what you can to kind of make it work. And um, so I was, you know, based in the U.S., close to to New York City, and and she was in Munich. Um, we did that for a couple of years, and then um, just it lucked out that she managed to get a transfer with her company, and that was kind of the most ideal situation because I hadn't yet found a job, even though I was looking um, in Germany. So we said, okay, let's 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 try that out. That's you know that that's a nice fit for us. Although that turned out to in retrospect, not not to be the best fit. Uh, she wasn't very fond of of New York City, as I think a lot of Germans, and particularly people from from Munich, they call Munich an overgrown uh, village. And if you've ever visited there, you can you can kind of see why. It's very low to the ground. It's very green. It's a wonderful place, but it's it's really the um, the antithesis, the opposite of of New York City, which is concrete urban urban jungle. So the decision was made. Well, you know, New York is not making her happy, so she wanted to go home. So I said. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's uh, let's give it a try. It turned out I, again. I think a lot of things in life turn out to be kind of more luck and um, circumstance. I managed to keep this job with with the Taiwanese company um, and was working remotely from Munich, so that was a nice kind of cushion. So I didn't have to kind of land and and either look for a job locally in Munich or um, hope that someone would bring me over. I could just hop on a plane and and continue. Uh, doing what I was doing. And how did that work in terms of your visa situation coming from the United States and moving to Germany, especially working with a, a company remotely based in Taiwan, if I'm not mistaken? Um, so I was technically, let's say, um, just a tourist. You know, I was, I was, uh, this is also kind of before that predates the term digital nomad that's become quite popular. Um, so I really was, a, a, in, in essence, a digital nomad. I had, um, you know, my laptop worked from, from home or a, a local cafe, um, but I would come in and out. Um, I think back then you had 90 days every time you came in and out of most European countries. So um, luckily I had to return home to the States for various reasons, a friend's wedding or went home for, for Christmas. Um, but after six months of, you know, that wasn't sustainable over the long term. Uh, plus, I realized, you know, working for a company where my main office was on the east coast of the U.S., so six hours behind Germany, uh, and most of my kind of business partners and, and clients were based in Taiwan, Hong Kong, uh, mainland China, which was, I think, six hours ahead. Um, I was kind of getting up in the morning to talk to, to China, um, you know, going uh, out during the day um, for a couple of hours to go to German class or run some errands and then coming back in the early afternoon when, when New York got online um, doing work. And then, you know, of course, if, even if they were getting off at, at five o'clock uh, in the afternoon, um, you know, typical end of the work day, um, sometimes in an office, um, that was 11 p.m. for me. So I, I was I wound up working really almost around the clock. Um, of course, holidays in, in the U.S. or holidays in, in China are not the same, didn't always match up um, uh, with those in, in Germany. So, you know, I'd have friends and, and my partner at the time, you know, going, they had a day off, but I had to work. So it, it really got to be a kind of a frustrating situation. So the, the visa question and, you know, my day-to-day -day kind of uh, work situation, it made me think, I'm going to leave this behind and, and try to find something uh, local, uh, which I then... Did uh, actually, ironically, with uh, a, a huge uh, American uh, technology company, uh, but working uh, from the, the German, the Munich office, which uh, was tied to the EMEA headquarters. Uh, and then, again, back then, which I think is still the case, uh, although I haven't had to think about this in some time, um, my visa was sponsored by uh, the company that I was employed. 
So how long were you actually working for the Taiwanese company in total uh, while you were in Germany? I was with them in total um, for four years, uh, six months of which were were, uh, my time in, in Munich. So I guess if you could take me back actually to the time when you just arrived and just moved to Munich, what was that like? What were the surprises and challenges that you encountered in those early days? And how did it compare to be a resident there as opposed to previously more of a tourist? So I had, um, so going back to that kind of that backpacking trip after college, um, had, you know, as you do, um, it kind of coincided with Oktoberfest and people from all around the world, I think, are fascinated by that. So I had spent, I don't know, two or three days um, in Munich. So I had already been in the city. And then, of course, uh, during this relationship, um, had made quite a few visits. So when I moved there, it's not as if, as if it was the, the first time um, I was in the city. I had some familiarity with it, um, although visiting, you know, as a backpacker or, or, or visiting kind of friends for a week or so is is quite a different experience than than living there. Um, you know, if you're if you're on a holiday, a vacation, or something, you know, at the end of it, you're getting back on a plane or a train and and leaving there. But you know, when you're living there, it's you know the alarm goes off and it's just another day. I remember actually, I'll, I'll never forget my first night there. It's an interesting anecdote, which I think ties into the theme of, of Munich being this overgrown village. Um, it was, uh, I think it was a Saturday, um, had like, quite tired and jet lagged from, from, from the trip over. Uh, it was summertime, so it was a little bit warm. The, the window was open. Um, and the, the flat where I was living was really right in, in the middle of the city, just a five, 10 minute walk from, from the main train station. So, you know, the window's open, it's 10 o'clock at night, I get into bed and I'm, I'm laying there. Um, you know, trying to go to sleep. And I noticed that I can't hear a single peep. I mean, there's nothing, there's no noise coming from, from outside, which I, I was kind of blown away by when, you know, I don't know, I think in almost any city, particularly New York, there's always car horns or sirens or, you know, even birds or, or just something. Um, and it was just, it wasn't a peep coming, coming from Munich. So, and, and that, that I, I found that all throughout. I mean, sometimes friends would visit and we'd be going from dinner or bar or something like that in the city on a, on a Friday or Saturday night and they would just stop and say, it's really quiet here. And it, and it was, Turns out, I mean, over again, people ask me, "How do you how do you like Munich?" Um, and I, it's a wonderful place. Um, I mean, it has some, in my experience, I think this is true of Germany, but um, particularly of, of Munich, um, has some of the best quality of life of, of any place I've I've found uh, in the world. I mean, I've you know lived in a few places and certainly traveled in a lot more, and I think the quality of life is in, incredible uh, there. But Munich is a bit quiet and. People say, "Well, how did you how did you wind up staying there for so long?" And I think uh, I had an experience, which I think is typical of many expats who wind up uh, in Munich, either because of a, a job, a job transfer, or for a relationship, um, which sometimes ends, as it did in my case in, in Munich. Um, you get there and you say, "Oh, I'll spend a year or spend two years," um, and that turns into three, five years, ten years. Um, I know a lot of people who have been there 25 years now and have no intention of leaving. Um, you kind of just get sucked into um, this really great quality of life and you kind of you compare it to you know life where you came from or, or your other alternatives of, I don't know, going to another city like London or Paris or Tokyo or Sydney or something. And you say, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's not. Uh, superlative in 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 many respects. I mean, you have the, the Alps there, and it's clean and and everything. You know, the trains run on time. It, there's nothing superlative about it, like you know, like a New York or a Tokyo or some of these other larger cities. But um, when you kind of compare all of, you know, you look at all the the metrics across the board, Munich kind of wins out in 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 most cases. So, and I during that time, I'd kind of always thought about, oh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go somewhere else. I'll, I'll move to Berlin or I'll move to London or and friends and and you know, good uh, career prospects and again, quality of life just sort of kept me there for for quite some time and until I broke free. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get definitely more into how you ended up deciding to break free from Munich uh, shortly. But just in general, what were those things that made the quality of life so good? I mean, from my perspective, I've heard about the almost unimaginably high number of holidays, which I think can probably play a huge role for somebody that's interested in traveling 
around Europe and the rest of the world. But were there other things about Munich in particular, I mean, even within the context of Germany that made it so attractive? It's interesting. You hit on probably, if I'm being completely honest, um, probably what was at the top of, of my list was um, the, the travel opportunities. Um, I mean, as I mentioned, I've always had a, had a curiosity and I've always really taken every opportunity I, I could to go somewhere, to go somewhere new. Uh, you know, Munich being in the, in the center of Europe, um, you can reach, I don't know, seven or eight different countries. Um, by car, by train, um, and obviously certainly by by plane, um, within just a couple of hours. Um, so it's perfectly situated in Germany. Uh, typically, most uh, you know, as in most European countries, there's a, a kind of government government minimum number of holidays that they have to grant uh, employees. The companies have to give to employees. Um, often companies are a little bit nicer, a little bit more generous and give you an extra three, four, five days. Um, and then in Bavaria, which is um, a very Catholic region, um, you get all of these uh, religious holidays, which, you know, coming from the States, you know, maybe you'll get Good Friday off and of course you'll get Christmas. Um, but you don't typically get any other religious holidays, um, particularly the ones related to a specific uh, religion. So, um, you know, in a, in, a, in a typical year, while I was living in Munich, depending on how the calendar fell, I could have something like seven weeks of, of, of vacation, of annual leave. Um, and I used really every, every minute of that to, to, to go somewhere, whether it was, you know, further afield up to, to Asia or South America or just, you know, a, a weekend, kind of a long weekend um, in Europe. So I would really, again, if I'm being honest, that would probably be it. I figured I've, I've got this opportunity. I'm, I'm here. Um, I might as well use that. Um, but if I'm looking at the kind of realistic, more important things, let's say, um, career prospects are, are fantastic in Munich. Um, you know, the economy is very good. There are a lot of very large multinational companies uh, or, or very good kind of German companies. I mean, the Googles and Microsofts and HPs and all and Cisco's and everybody has big offices there. There's a a burgeoning startup scene, although not not quite as as good as um, a Berlin or or a Hamburg, um, and then you've got you know great German companies like the Allianzes and other insurance companies. So um, you can get a good job, um, something that you want to do, very good pay, housing although is expensive, uh, it's good quality. Um, you know, transportation, public transportation, getting around the city or, um, you know, to and from work or, or to, to shops and things uh, or, or, you know, at the weekends going going out to the Alps um, or to a lake um, is all uh, very, very easy to do. People complain. I, I, it's funny. You talk to a, a German or other most other Europeans and you say coming from New York. Um, if you compare the cost of living in Munich, you say, mm, it's not so bad. Um, most people's heads kind of spin when you say that, um, even though it's the most expensive place typically to live uh, in Germany. Um, it's not outrageous when you compare it to a New York, a London, Paris and Tokyo and so on. Did you speak much German before you arrived in Munich? And uh, how important would you say it is to be able to speak German there? Yeah. So about the German. So uh, I kind of knew in the back of my mind when I was when I was in the U.S. that um, there was at least a 50-50 chance that I would wind up in Germany where kind of life was heading. And, and as I mentioned, something I was interested in. So I thought, you know, I took Spanish and, um, you know, in high school and, and college was pretty good with that, but um, didn't know a word of, of German outside of Eins, Drei, Zwei. Um, Obviously, is, is not was not even correct. So, so I, I said I'm going to do what I can. Rosetta Stone existed at the time, but I certainly wasn't going to invest that much in in this kind of software program. So I found um, you know remedial class at a, at a local community college. Just said hey, yeah, I'll, I'll start taking that. It was a couple nights a week after work, so just go and do some studying. Um, I think I took two of those classes just to get at least a, a foundation. Um, for the grammar and a little bit of vocabulary. And sure enough, you know, after I think maybe two years after I started those courses, um, you know, made the decision to, to move to Germany. Uh, and when I got there, and, you know, as I mentioned, working for the Taiwanese company, um, my schedule was sort of all over the place, but I had a block of time, typically kind of late mornings to midday. And really for the first, so certainly for that first six months, uh, and then for probably another six months after that, you know, kind of after work and so on, um, I, I was pretty diligent about taking uh, courses um, and trying to 
you know, advance my, my language uh, abilities. So, you know, if you ask how necessary is it um, in the time that I've, I've been in Germany, I, I haven't ever found it very necessary to speak German. I, it was more of a, a and that and it, outside of, let's say, you know, supermarket or your local cafe and things like that, where you might be dealing with somebody who's, uh, let's say, a little bit older, doesn't, you know, um, hasn't traveled a bit and maybe doesn't know English. It, most people do. Um, for me, though, it was uh, more of a, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm living in a place I feel like I should, um, you know, immerse myself as much as I can in the local culture. And, and a big part of that is is the language. So I put a lot of effort into that. Uh, although in Munich, I'd say it's it's a very nice to have, um, but not necessary. In in Berlin, um, I find that um, almost nobody uh, outside of a local kind of Berliner or, or somebody who comes from a different part of Germany um, actually speaks uh, German uh, in terms of, of expats. So, and it, but that's not. I don't think everybody does that. And and I think the key to that, like with anything in life, I mean, if you want to be a great, um, I don't know athlete or a, a musician or good at anything you have you have to put the time into it um, I think a lot of expats sort of rock up here and um, you know they get into the job and you know into setting up their life and um, things are busy and they, they don't make the time to speak German and they think oh yeah well, I'll kind of learn it here and there um, and it doesn't happen that way um, it doesn't happen by magic you do have to put the effort into it I'm kind of I, I think my German is good um but i've never and i think this is true especially if you're a native uh, native english speaker um you don't have a lot of opportunity to practice it unless you're really forced you know your job is really in german uh, or you're in some kind of situation you know a partner or something um where you're really forced to use it um so i mean despite the fact that i've never really had to use it outside of kind of local government, you know, dealing with bureaucracy or the supermarket or, or, you know, those typical things. Uh, I'm still, you know, fairly proud. And I, I, again, connect that to putting in the effort of taking those courses. Now, I haven't taken a class in, in probably a decade, but once you have that, that foundation, um, you know, the basic grammar and some vocabulary, it kind of builds on it. You know, you pick up, um, you pick up things here and there. What's your experience been like in terms of working with German bureaucracy, trying to, I don't know, move into a new flat or get something set up? Has it, you know, have do you have any tips or advice for folks that might be going through that in the near future? I think the key to dealing with that, and I think it's probably true in any country, any cult, any different culture, um, is being flexible. Um, it's always going to be different. Um, it may be radically different. It may be just slightly different. Um, you know, I found there are certain, you know, we, we all kind of talk expats and, uh, you know, who come here and um, there's a lot of kind of stereotypes about the, the, the German, the Beamte, the, the, the bureaucrat in a government office. Um, and I don't, I, I don't think I've had one um, kind of generic experience where it's always uh, frustrating or maddening or confusing. Um, I've certainly had those, um, but I've also had experiences where it's been quite easy and straightforward and a lot more so than I expected. Uh, and this is there's there's different kind of uh, spheres of life in this. There's you know things really connected to the government, like your visa and registering your um, you know your apartment where you live. Um, there's other things like um, you know kind of necessities, basics, getting getting your internet up and running, which is typically <laughs> frustrating, or telephone. Um, and then there's additional things like um, you know getting a, the the German bond, the, the train um, discount card, or uh, a gym membership. Um, I think most of us uh, probably go through certainly all of these I and mean, the government are, are the government kind of uh, topics are all uh, requirements, uh, but most of us probably go through the additional ones. And it's it's funny. Uh, Germans have this um, reputation for being um, very logical and efficient. Um, often that's true. But then there are certain outliers where you just you, you, you scratch your, your head and you think, I can't believe they do it like this. Um, and you can you can go crazy, kind of um, being frustrated by that. If you if you counter one of these experiences where you say, "I can't," oh, this is so stupid. I can't believe they do it this way. Um, but you can't change that. You know, you're just one expat amongst you know whatever 90 million Germans who have been doing it some silly way for for all their lives and for generations. Um, and that's where the flexibility comes in. You just you have you just kind of have to accept it, and you learn. Um, kind of how to how to deal with you know you you figure out sort of tactics of how to 
kind of how to manage those situations. And once I think this is true with anything in life, once you kind of go through those things a couple of times, you, you sort of notice a pattern and you, you, you can, you know, the next time it comes up, maybe how to, how to deal with it a little bit better. I think that's, that's a great point. And it's good to keep that open mind and flexibility at the forefront when you're dealing with these situations that maybe well, are probably going to be, frankly, quite different from what you're used to, right? And I think that the same would be true if you ask a, a German who, who moved to the U.S., you know, oh, I can't believe you guys do X, Y, or Z um, this way. It's, um, but I think that's the, also the kind of the, the enjoyment or that's part of the experience. And, and um, it just comes with the territory of, of living other places. Um, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, looking back, you can kind of laugh, even though it's maddening at the time, you can, you know, about trying to cancel a, a gym membership or, or trying to get your internet up and running. Um, it's funny because then you get the opportunity to also commune with your fellow expat brothers and sisters and have a good, I mean, everyone's sort of been through these generic set of difficulties. I think what would be interesting would be to look at what difficulties tend to stand out for Germany versus France versus Thailand versus China or, you know, some Egypt. I mean, I'm sure every country sort of has its five top five things that are going to be the most difficult for most, you know, your typical expat profiled person to, um, to deal with. But, you know, it, it gives an opportunity for expats to join around that topic together as well. And with that in mind, actually, how did you make your friends initially first in Munich outside of, uh, of course, the person you were dating at the time? How did you, you know, meet more people? Were they other expats? Were they Germans? Was it a good mix, about 50-50 in terms of your friend group? And how did that change over the years that you lived in Munich in particular? Definitely. So it definitely did change. I think when I first uh, got there, um, I didn't want to immediately fall into the trap that I think a lot of expats do, um, and certainly ones who, um, let's say, are on a, um, you know, a placement, and you know, they get a, a transfer with their company for two years, and it's kind of a fixed contract, um, and they they fall into um, just an expat um, circle, um, and they don't have a lot of contact um, with with locals. Um, I think it's easy to do. It, it's it's one approach. Um, not saying there's anything kind of necessarily um, better or worse, um, but I I really wanted to kind of get into the local culture. I had a, a partner who was local with uh, friends and, and family, um, and so that was it, it was obviously easy. It was right in front of me, but um, I wanted to kind of take advantage of that. I helped with with language and kind of understanding the culture and 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 the country that I was living in. Only after a certain time did I, you know, like let's say through my German classes, which were obviously all foreigners you know, kind of start taking advantage of that for, for, um, you know, for, for social reasons to kind of meet up with people after class or in the evenings or something. Um, eventually though, the, the relationship ended and I would go out of my way kind of to, you know, make connections with, with colleagues or there are other things like, um, now there's, there's quite a lot of them, but back then there was really just one sort of, um, expat, you know, online kind of chat forum. It was not just a chat forum, but, you know, you could find, um, you know, a new apartment there. You could find bicycles, you could find job uh, opportunities and stuff um, called Toy Town, uh, which I think is still just for Germany. And now there's lots of different kind of groups, um, you know, for networking purposes and, um, you know, social uh, reasons and stuff. So um, there would often be um, these groups of, you know, hey, I'm, I'm new in, in Munich, uh, I'm putting together a Tuesday night, you know, Tuesday curry night or a Friday beer garden or something. So, you know, I started doing some of those just to meet um, additional people. Um, yeah, and then I think it's kind of the, the natural um, momentum of, of, you know, living abroad is, um, you know, you, you kind of develop you know, friendships and relationships here and there through work, through, you know, hobbies and, and, you know, groups like this. Yeah, it sounds like a great way to really build a friend group there, especially around those, you know, local communities and people getting together, especially at a beer garden in Munich, that seems like a perfect opportunity, right? Yeah, I think there's, I think you hit the, the, the two moss kind of level and, and all of a sudden your German increases by 5x. So um, after the third one, everything kind of, uh, the wheels sort of fall off. But um, yeah, it's a great, a great, I mean, that's one of the things I probably missed 
uh, most about Munich, except my proximity to the to the mountains. But um, the beer gardens are just a, a wonderful aspect of life there, um, and very much something you know, not just that tourists visit, but it's very much a, a part of daily life there. Um, you know, you go with your your family and your friends, and you go after work or at the weekends. So um, yeah, that was a nice way to kind of get into the the local culture and and meet people. So I guess when you first moved there, it sounds like maybe you moved in with your girlfriend at the time into her apartment. But in general, what would you say are, you know, good places to live? And do you have any particular advice for people that are looking for an apartment in Munich? Munich is uh, very difficult. Um, a lot of uh, Berlin has become this way as well. But I think uh, Munich is is worse. They they don't I mean, as I mentioned, it's very low to the ground. So they're not a, a lot of very tall buildings. I think there's a a local ordinance that nothing can be taller than the um, the main cathedral in the center of the city. So um, there's not a lot of uh, housing stock. Um, what's there is very good, very good quality, um, but it's probably a bit uh, more expensive um, because of the limited supply. Um, I yeah, I, as you mentioned, I moved over and moved right into a flat that was already kind of there and waiting for me. Um, and then when I looked for a new place, um, I think I only lo I looked at, again, this kind of toy town website. I looked at one flat, um, went over, met, met the guy who was who was renting it out. It was perfect. And I wound up staying there for another nine years or so. Um, so I didn't have the, the kind of frustrating experience that a lot of people in Munich have. I, I remember one friend who was uh, Irish, who's, again, one of these people who came over for a year. I think 15 or 20 years ago and, and will never leave Munich. It's still there. Um, I think he told me when he uh, tried to find a flat that he probably looked at 40 or 50 places um, and you, you know, you'd show up and there'd be just a queue of a line of people um, waiting to, to view the place. So um, your chances of, of getting something were very slim. Um, again, I just had a lot of luck, I'd, I'd say, uh, right place and right time. So, uh, but most people, I think it's very difficult um, for people. And I would say, use any kind of channels that you have. There's a number of different kind of websites. There's, there's Toy Town, there's Immo Scouts, um, you know, simple search and you'll, you'll turn up the, the typical ones. Um, I would say spend a lot of time going through listings, um, write anybody and, and everyone that, that looks interesting because um, you're probably going to have to view quite a lot um, before um, something kind of falls in, into place. Yeah. So it sounds like similar to Berlin, that the situation is such where you don't have to worry so much about what part of the city that you're living in. You just have to worry about finding an apartment. Is that the case? Exactly. Yeah. And in, I mean, in, in Berlin, I think each neighborhood is kind of different. It depends what you're looking for. Are you, you know, are you a bit younger and you want you know, a lot of uh, nightlife right on your on your doorstep. Um, you do you want something kind of quiet and more green and want to be a little bit outside of the center. Um, Munich's a, a, a much smaller um, city. Um, you know, even though it's so low to the ground, I find it's not not so spread out, uh, you know, on a, on a bike. I think, you know, 20 minutes from one side to the other and you've kind of crossed in any, you know, the, the majority of the city or any of the neighborhoods that you'd want to live in. Most people gravitate towards um, Schwabing, which is very central. It's where the university is. It kind of had a reputation of being uh, a bit more bohemian, although um, I don't think anything is really bohemian in, in, uh, in Munich anymore. So, but in the 60s, it was kind of where you know, whatever, a lot of hippies and, and the, the, you know, the 68 generation um, lived. It's still a wonderful place. I think it'll always have a kind of a, a younger vibe because I think there's something like 50 to 80,000 um, university students all in that immediate vicinity. Um, Heidhausen is a wonderful neighborhood. I lived in, in Neuhausen, which is kind of on the opposite side, a little bit more quiet, but, you know, two or three um, metro stops and you're right in the center. So... Yeah, thank you for that great overview on the housing situation. I was also wondering if you managed to change jobs while you were in Munich. I did uh, a couple of times. So and we kind of talked about that, that first change um, between the, the Taiwanese company. Um, I did fail to mention in something that uh, I think still exists and it could be useful for people. You know, the economy is quite good. Unemployment is, is quite low uh, in Germany and most places in Germany, except for kind of the former East. I didn't go immediately from that uh, job with the Taiwanese company to a local job. Um, I kind of uh, quit that, um, used a little bit of uh, that gap to go 
traveling. Uh, I traveled in Africa for a couple of months. Um, uh, and in the meantime, I was applying for jobs. And when I came back, um, basically got, I don't know if, if there's an official term for it, but let's call it a kind of a job, job seekers visa. Um, that was a temporary, I think, three-month visa at the time. So um, I just had to prove that I, I guess I was kind of um, I don't know if it was because I was living uh, with a local, but, you know, I had, you know, there was some money in the bank. I had, a, a you know, an apartment in, in Munich um, and I was actively seeking, a, you know, a professional job. Um, I don't know if anybody can just kind of turn up in Munich. Um, but as I said, you know, unemployment's quite low and, um, you know, they're, they're, it's quite an international city. So um, if you're not from, you know, if you don't automatically um, get residency in a visa, uh, and right to work there because you're a European. So if you're from somewhere else, North America, Australia, any other country, um, you know, I would say look into this. It could be an uh, could be a, a, an opportunity uh, for you to get a temporary visa to look for something. Um, so I used that time, that three months. Uh, luckily, found a, a great job. Uh, I had that for about a year. Um, it was a, a, a not time limited contract. Um, but I was uh, actually employed through one of the creative agencies uh, for uh, this company, big American, uh, big American kind of multinational tech company. Uh, and they, I actually worked at the, uh, the client side. When 2008, 2009 hit the very severe economic crisis, uh, this company was looking to just kind of shed um, anybody uh, they could. So me being a foreigner, being, uh, you know, employed by an external uh, agency, um, I was in kind of uh, principle of, of last in, first out. You know, I was one of the first um, to be let go. Lots of people, including actually my, my Irish friend, um, funny enough, uh, were, uh, were caught up in that as well. Um, but uh, as happens, and I think... Um, I think it's true no matter where you're living, if it's in your home country or somewhere abroad, um, kind of networking uh, with people um, to look for other opportunities. Um, I actually found something through uh, one of my uh, one of my contacts, which wound up being a, a great job that I wound up staying in for about almost seven years uh, in Munich. Uh, it was really a great fit. And also part of the reason I thought, oh, you know, uh, the, the original reason that brought me to Munich, the you know personal reasons, um, those kind of ended around the same time. And I thought, well, well, I just got this new job. I'll, I'll, it looks like a, a good company. I'll stay there maybe for a year and then maybe go back back home to the states. And again, one year turned into two, turned into five, and so on. So yeah, no, that's that's a great uh, journey that you've had in Munich. And I guess that brings us up to your time, what started in, eventually in Berlin. Yeah, what was the real reason that you decided to move to Berlin, and especially given that you'd had such a great experience at this company in Munich? In the back of my mind, and kind of mentioned earlier, I'd always thought about leaving uh, Munich. Um, it had a great quality of life, but uh, a little bit too quiet. And I thought, oh, I want to go somewhere more exciting, London or Berlin. You know, and I'd visited Berlin going back years, but um, during my time living in Munich, um, you know, you go go for a weekend in Berlin, go see some, I had some friends living here um, periodically over, over that time. And I, every time I was in Berlin, I thought, wow, this is just a great place. And it, it just feels like a better fit for me. It's bigger. There's a lot, there's just a lot more going on. Um, so it was kind of always in the back of my mind that, um, you know, maybe I, someday I'd, I'd, uh, I'd explore uh, a move to Berlin. I decided to leave the job in, in Munich. You know, seven years with the company is quite a long time. Um, it's not our kind of grandparents' generation or even our parents, maybe, when, when you spend, you know, most of your career, all of your career with, with one company. I think it's more typical to move every couple of years. But it was a it was a great opportunity. But after seven years, I kind of, I just, I felt like I needed a change, you know, kind of breath of fresh air. Um, and as <laughs> probably a, a running theme you've noticed here, uh, decided to leave and took the opportunity to go try travel uh, for a little bit, <laughs> for a little bit of time um, uh, and went with uh, with my partner who um, she kind of had a, a break in her career um, for various reasons, um, has a medical career and just had a, had a, a, a natural break um, uh, between trainings. And so we decided to, to go travel together. Uh, when I returned, I was looking at, you know, again, uh, go back to the States, go to the UK. So I started looking for uh, for jobs. I was looking in Munich. Um, I, by this time, I had gotten permanent residency uh, in Germany. I don't think I got it right when I could have 
which is after five years. Um, there's different routes to this. Um, as a little side note, um, and anybody who's interested in, in you know, life and working and living in Germany can um, easily find uh, kind of um, on the web in answers to these questions. But there's different routes to this. I had um, and had mentioned getting sponsored through my company. Um, after a couple of years, you get um, a visa that's not linked to an employer, um, and then eventually you can get permanent residency. I think I got it maybe one or two years after I, I could have. Um, uh, it wasn't really so important for me. I had a nice job, wasn't wasn't looking to, to move. But yeah, locked up the permanent residency so that when I came back from traveling, um, I could just pick up residency here and, and work for any employer. Um, so I took advantage of that, um, looked for, for jobs in, uh, in Munich just as a fallback. I was familiar with it, um, but focused a lot more effort on Berlin. Um, and because I've been um, mostly in the broadly defined kind of tech space, um, doing kind of marketing and sales um, for much of my career, uh, Berlin was a natural fit. There's a lot of startups and, and you know, established uh, tech companies uh, in Berlin. I think it's a, become over the years, especially over the last, let's say, five years, um, a very natural place. So found a lot of cool opportunities, uh, wound up taking one that um, looked like a good fit. Great. And that just brought you over then, and, and you've been in Berlin for a year, year and a half now? Yeah, it's about a year and a half now. Um, so uh, took took that job uh, with that company. Um, it was a good fit, um, but as can happen with, it wasn't, wasn't quite a startup, um, it was more adolescent company, but um, some change and looked for a change. And um, again, through networks um, and kind of, let's say, luck being in the right place at the right time and also knowing uh, what you want, you know, knowing what you want, maybe knowing what you don't want, um, you know, what you what you kind of are not looking for in a job. Um, found, uh, found yet another one that I started at the beginning of, of this year. So as one other point to talk about as you moved actually from Munich to Berlin. Of course, the first time that you moved to Germany, there were quite a few changes, a lot to get used to, some surprises around the quietness in the area that you were living and so forth. But I was curious, as you moved within the country itself, especially after nine or so years in Munich, was there anything in particular about the move to Berlin that was still challenging for you or surprising? Um, you know, How was that experience to actually move within the country? A lot of people, I mentioned, you know, kind of friends from, from Munich saying, ah, Berlin, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's nice to go up there for, you know, go go clubbing, go for a party or whatever the weekend. But, you know, Munich is a, is a, a real place where you can live. Not not that, you know, kind of crappy, dirty Berlin. Um, I kind of laugh at that. I, 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 I can see the differences between the two. I mean, I mentioned, you know, Berlin's bigger. It's more, you know you have more conveniences, things, you know, supermarkets are open till midnight as opposed to closing at 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. if you're lucky. Um, but to, to me, um, those are very superficial differences. I, I find that, um, you know, yeah, if you live in like a, a little hundred person village in the middle, you know, out in the countryside, that's quite different from Berlin. Um, but I think if you look at all the, the major cities or the you know, kind of tier two cities in, in Germany, there's small differences, but they're all still very German uh, to me. They're much more similar than, you know, Berlin and, and Austin, Texas or, or you know, um, Auburn or something like that. So um, I kind of laugh when when German, you know, and Germans are very, they're very proud of where they're from. You know, oh, Stuttgart is better than Munich and, you know, Hamburg is, is great, but Cologne is terrible. Um, I kind of laugh at those. Nevertheless, um, there was uh, there were differences, even though I was familiar with the city. Um, again, you know, when you're living someplace, it's it's different than just visiting or you know being on holiday. Um, and even if you have some familiarity with it, you know, this is your everyday kind of twenty four seven life now, and you've you've got to get used to um, to those. And to be honest, it it took. I think they say I don't um, when you move somewhere new, particularly a new country. Um, it takes about 18 months before you really feel settled and, and kind of comfortable. Um, and I, I, maybe it wasn't 18 months, but I think it took a good nine months before I really kind of felt settled in Berlin. Um, I think that that process was sped up a little bit because I, I knew the city and it was the same uh, country. So, you know, all of those bureaucratic issues that we talked about um, were 
quite the same here. So it was it was not I mean it wasn't difficult, um, but it wasn't like kind of from one day to the next where I felt oh yeah here I am everything's running smoothly. Um, there was definitely an adjustment period, not in a negative way. It's just I think part of life when you move someplace, um, even within your own you know your home country, you know moving from one state to the next in in the U.S. Um, you have to get used to kind of how things operate there. So you moved to Germany about, I guess, 10 or more years ago, first to Munich and now to Berlin. How have you seen the country change in that time? And, you know, if you had to make any projections about where it's headed in the future, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, that's a, a great question as well. And I've, probably one of the, well, I wouldn't say the, my kind of favorite parts of um, uh, of my time here, but something that I've always been very cognizant of um, is it, it it has experienced a lot of change um, during the time that I've I've been here. I think so I've been coming to Germany for almost twenty years now, and I think when I first came here, um, it felt very German culturally. And just when you, I, I think when you when you walked around, you you didn't see people from uh, from other places. Let's say, um, and I think. Um, because for a lot of, a lot of different reasons, um, uh, one uh, European integration, so uh, making it easier for Europe people from you know Eastern, from Bulgaria and Romania, or from Southern Europe, uh, Greece and Italy and Spain. Um, it's been in the last you know five to ten years much easier for people to move um, from one country to another, like in the U.S., where you can easily move from New Jersey to Texas to California to Idaho or wherever you want to go. Um, so that's changed things here. But then there's also people coming from from all other parts of the world. And it's not true just in Berlin in the in the tech and the startup scene. Um, I think it's true all, you know, all around the country. Um, you know, the economy is good. They need people to work. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the population growth here is not not huge as, as it's true in a lot of kind of developed countries all around the world. So you need to uh, you need to have people uh, emigrate here from from other countries. Um, and you've also seen, of course, um, the immigration crisis, you know, people coming from, um, you know, uh, the Middle East and North Africa and, you know, Afghanistan and other other countries and Germany um, has been generally pretty um, welcoming uh, to people from from these countries, although politically it's been a bit tricky for, for Angela Merkel. Um, but I think I don't know what the numbers have been, but certainly I think at least a, a million kind of refugees and, and immigrants from these countries that have, have poured in. Um, so the the makeup of the country has changed quite radically, I'd say, um, in the time that I, you know, in, in those 20 years since I've been coming here in the last 10 plus years that I've lived here. Um, and then you look at other kind of external factors, um, uh, questions over uh, European unification, you know, and you look at Brexit or, or certain national elections where there might be kind of anti-Europe. European candidates um, uh, running. Um, you look at the economic crisis and the, the European debt crisis. Um, throughout uh, all of that, the kind of common theme uh, has been, or common themes, let's say, um, in terms of, of people, uh, characters here. Uh, Merkel, again, has has been uh, in charge of this country um, and really very uh, a very powerful figure, uh, and so much so to be, I mean, one of the most powerful leaders in the entire world, probably probably number one uh, right now, if you, if you look at national leaders, um, and certainly the, the kind of leader of Europe. Um, Germany has been the economic powerhouse of, of Europe, um, most powerful leader, uh, and the one really fighting, you know, a, a difficult history, of course, um, you know, between world wars and, and, and so on, um, and I think has been the one um, kind of continuous voice uh, the last 10 years of kind of fighting for that, that ideal of a unified Europe. Um, um, so that's been fascinating to watch. Um, and I think with every, um, you know, every crisis is an opportunity. And I think America and the Germans have, have really um, taken the opportunity um, to, you know, express their voice and, and, um, and, and exert their influence um, and, and kind of become 
more powerful. Um, and I think that's benefited everyone. I mean, people inside of Germany and, and, and around Europe, um, that we could be entering, I think we're entering and we can get into a long political discussion. I think, um, everywhere in the world that, um, that kind of idea that, that openness and that, that sort of unity is fraying a little bit. But, um, as I see it right now, I think Germany's in a very, in a very good position. Um, and that's been, yeah, very fascinating to, to kind of watch, um, you know, in my time here. Yeah, I can imagine. And that's extremely well said. I would echo the sentiments and I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, with that, I really appreciate our conversation together. I would love to hear if you have any other advice or recommendations for people interested in living in Germany outside of what we've already covered today. Yeah, I, it's, as I said, I, 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 I think I haven't found um, a place with as as good on, on most kind of metrics, a quality of life. If anybody has an interest um, you know, whether you're, you know, a college or university student and you want to uh, study abroad um, or you're kind of a, a, an older, you know, professional um, and you, you want that experience. And I think uh, you're hard pressed to find better places um, to kind of come to for a couple of years or for a longer stretch as, as I have. It's uh, you can certainly find more exotic experiences. But, um, you know, if you want a good quality of life, a, a good career prospects, um, you know, study opportunities and so on. You know, Germany's, I would probably put it up very, very high at the, at the top of the list. Um, it's a nice life here. So Great. And uh, is there any way that our listeners can find out more about you and what you're up to here in Berlin? Uh, yeah, I, probably LinkedIn is, is the best uh, place to find me. Uh, Colin M. Miller, I believe, is, is my profile. Um, I should be the only Colin Miller based in Berlin. Um, probably the best way to find me. Um, if you're able to, I'm, I'm a, a hobby uh, photographer, you can also try to track me down on, on Instagram. Okay, perfect. We'll definitely put that information in our show notes. And I just want to say once again, thank you so much for joining the Expat Empire podcast today. And we look forward to hearing more about your successes and, and challenges and exciting adventures here in Germany, as well as around the world. Great. Thanks, David. It was fun. Thanks to Colin for sharing his story with us. You can find the full transcript for this episode at expatempire.com. If you are interested in sharing your story on Expat Empire, please consider submitting a user post about your expat experiences on expatempire.com or email us at podcast at expatempire.com and let us know more about your international background. Music on this episode was produced by Eli Hermit. Please check him out on Bandcamp and Spotify. Keep up to date on new Expat Empire podcast episodes by pressing the subscribe button in the podcasting app of your choice. You can also visit expatempire.com and sign up for the newsletter to get notified about new podcast episodes and receive a ton of free expat and travel-related content. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, at Expat Empire, so be sure to follow us there. Last, but certainly not least, we would appreciate a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps new listeners to find us and lets us know that we are putting out content that you appreciate. Check back for our next episode in two weeks. See you then.